chapter fourteen of early days of old oregon by katherine barry judson this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fourteen the adventures of the whitmans leve leve arise arise that was the french-canadian call early one summer morning out on the great plains and it awakened an entire camp it was only four o'clock and the sun was just rising out of the prairie grass but the camp arose they had to arise for one thing they had to be on the march for another no one could sleep through such a racket mules braying and trampling about and men shouting to each other and this happened every morning to every camp crossing the plains in this camp there were two different parties travelling together for safety one was a missionary party with dr marcus whitman and his wife mr spaulding and his wife and mr gray a carpenter who was with them the other was a fur trading party of the american fur company who were going to the rocky mountains to trade beads and paints and kettles guns and powder and bullets and many other things with the indians for furs the fur traders were used to this wild way of living but the missionaries were not they had lived always in small villages or in the larger towns it was a new thing especially for the two ladies to spend week after week on the long rolling grassy prairies it was not an easy life even on the prairies farther on it was harder because they had to cross the bare brown treeless plains and then the mountains after the guide called and while the mules and horses made such an uproar and camp-keepers and muleteers shouted at each other everyone dressed quickly then came breakfast in the missionary party mrs whitman cooked it while the men collected their own horses and milked their own cows there was little to cook coffee and buffalo meat bread was baked along the road beside an open campfire whenever they could get a chance for tablecloth they used a rubber cloth plates and cups were of tin forks were of iron they sat on the ground among the fur traders things were rougher yet then the day's journey began many a day on the prairies there was nothing but the long rumble of the wagon and the thud of the horses feet the hot sun poured down upon them but nothing at all happened from sunrise to sunset sometimes they had adventures one day the caravan of traders and missionaries was jogging slowly onward there were seven wagons heavily loaded there were four hundred animals including horses mules and cows there were about seventy-five people suddenly as they passed a fold in the hills near independence rock they startled a herd of buffalo feeding there out came the leaders mad with fear followed by the whole herd the caravan was strung out nearly two miles long and it was directly in the path of the buffalo when they stampeded everyone saw the danger every guard and every man not driving a team turned his horse toward the buffalo and dashed straight toward the foremost of the great frightened herd pouring out of the hills yet on the buffaloes came heading straight for the caravan if the herd kept right on they would crash straight through the caravan mules and wagons would be overturned drivers and riders and missionaries would be crushed under that mad rush the only way to turn them aside was to shoot at them every gun was aimed at the oncoming buffaloes bullets flew among them like hail but still they plunged forward horses and mules snorted with fright tried to break their harness and to escape from the control of their drivers 
still onward came the herd of black buffaloes plunging and bellowing with their big shaggy heads down with eyes red they rushed directly at the caravan a continual shower of bullets flew among them just as they reached that long strung-out caravan the leaders frightened by the hail of bullets turned to one side but they were so close that the guards who were firing found themselves forced back right among the wagons yielding to that shower of bullets which stung even their thick shaggy hides the black herd turned just in time to save the caravan from destruction and the travellers from death the terrible stream of maddened animals swept alongside the caravan into the open plains they grunted and groaned as they thundered along making the earth tremble with the tramp of their countless hoofs the caravan was saved american fur traders at that time seldom went beyond the rocky mountains these missionaries were going a thousand miles beyond into the oregon country as it was not safe for them to travel alone soon after they left the american fur traders they joined the british a small party from the hudson's bay company this company you will remember had its forts all through the oregon country and at fort vancouver ruled by dr john mclaughlin the officers of this company were always very kind to american missionaries soon after leaving the rocky mountains they had to cross a land with no trees and few streams the heat of the summer sun was terrible when they stopped for luncheon the missionaries fastened a blanket to the tops of four sticks stuck in the ground or across sagebrush so that they might have a little shelter from the sun their first stopping point after joining the party of the hudson's bay company was at fort hall about forty miles from where fort hall city is today the whitmans and spaldings reached fort hall after days of fearful heat the fort was a small one but the welcome given them was cordial trees grew along the banks of the little stream which rippled and chattered over its rocky bed there were bunks to sleep in and chairs in which to sit the trader in charge gave them fresh bread and fish with vegetables and cheese and butter they had been without such food for many weeks the very worst of the journey lay ahead of them the officer told them that seemed rather hard after the long weeks and months first on the wave-like prairies and then on the flat treeless plains but ahead of them lay a rocky sandy country the rocks were both large and small with sharp edges which cut shoes or moccasins like a knife it was so dreary that no game lived in it an american said afterwards that it was a land where men had songs for supper the food had usually given out when they reached there and they could not buy or catch or shoot any through this country the trail was a mere track through sagebrush and wormwood as high as the backs of the horses dr whitman wondered about the two wagons he had with him the officer told him with entire honesty that it would be impossible to take the wagons with him every officer of the hudson's bay company would have said the same thing in their private letters to each other they said it was impossible to get a wagon through from fort hall to oregon but dr whitman thought he could see what he could do mrs spaulding was ill and he felt he had to have a wagon for her he took off the wagon beds and made a two-wheeled cart on this he packed such goods as he could yet then there was no room for either of the ladies there was nothing else to do so they went on horseback 
so off went the whitman party to the next fort fort boise dr whitman himself taking care of that cart he had a terrible time with it in the struggle to get it through on that rocky rough road so overgrown with tall sagebrush and wormwood his wife again and again urged him to let it go the doctor would come into camp hours after the others had reached it and tell them how many times it had been overturned when they reached fort boise the doctor did leave it behind him from this fort a few years later the old cart was driven through to fort walla walla by an old mountain man with his indian wife and children but he had such a time with it that he wished many a time he had never undertaken to do it yet the driving of that cart through to fort walla walla hard as it was proved that it could be done it proved that it was possible to get wagons through from the states to the columbia river and this opened the way for the later emigrants who brought with them their wives and children and could not have come without wagons it was six years however after the whitmans went to oregon before american wives and children began to go to the oregon country with the men but while the missionaries were struggling with their cart on the road to fort boise and resting there some indians to the west were making some very interesting plans the nez Perces indians always a friendly tribe heard that two white women were crossing the plains and the mountains now these nez Perces, many years before had heard from other indians and especially from iroquois indians of eastern canada of a great power who lived up in the sky he was simply a mysterious one they knew nothing of a god who is endless love the indians thought if they could find out about this great power so they could talk to him that things would go better they thought there would be no more sickness in their tepees that hunting would be more successful that the winters would not be so cold and they would have more blankets they heard that the white people could talk directly to this great power therefore the nez Perces wanted to have white teachers come among them they had even sent to st louis across the plains asking for teachers now this tribe of indians heard that missionaries were coming and two ladies with them part of the tribe remained near their own grounds but part went forward to welcome the white people can you imagine an indian welcome this is what it was when within a day's march of the spalding camp the indians and some fur traders who were with them halted the women smoothed out their long black hair and braided it tying it with bright ribbons bought from traders their buckskin dresses were beautifully beaded fringed with tiny hawks bells and tinkling shells their moccasins and leggings were bright with beads the warriors also combed out their long black locks and braided them leaving a scalp lock free as a sign of bravery they stuck eagle feathers in it and sometimes a bright bit of ribbon they put on their beaded buckskin shirts and leggings the ponies were gay with blankets of red and blue some of them were painted yellow and blue their beautifully beaded saddle blankets were edged with long fringe which swept the ground guns were all newly cleaned the drummers took their tom-toms the indian rawhide drums all was ready when the scouts looking over a low hill saw the missionary caravan in sight with the fur traders the signal was given the gay indians rushed to their horses then away they went 
spurring their ponies riding with mad speed yelling whooping shouting they dashed forward with wild motions war drums crashed guns banged every warrior whooped like a demon on they dashed faster and faster yelling louder and louder bang 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 went the guns when they had almost reached the missionaries they suddenly pulled up their ponies and stood perfectly still it was a trick for which the ponies had been trained this was the welcome of the indian reception committee but the missionaries fluttering bits of white at the ends of the guns told the traders the story at once they only took care the horses were not stampeded there was no time to tell the missionaries who thought it was a band of hostile indians coming down upon them they started to drive their cows and horses to a safe place among the wagons caught up their guns and made ready for defence but when dr whitman understood it he thought it was great fun and was as delighted as a boy the indians wanted to see the white women one of the squaws touched their skin softly to see if the white was paint then she kissed her new white friends mrs whitman was blue-eyed and golden-haired mrs spalding was slighter dark-haired and very gentle the cows and calves came in for many questions the indians thought they were tame buffalo and what a welcome did the traders give these ladies well one of them had not seen a white woman in nine years these white traders lived in the wilderness just like the indians then the whole throng missionaries indians american trappers and british traders rode on over the rough stony country and through the mountains the british traders and the missionaries went to fort walla walla which was in the nez Perce country but at fort walla walla the horses of the missionaries would not even ride up to the gate turkeys gobbled around the fort yard geese quacked and hens cackled that was too much for horses which had been for months on the plains every kindness was shown the missionaries at the fort wooden bunks fastened on the walls the rough wood bottom covered with indian blankets chairs rough axe-hewn slabs cut from trees in the blue mountains tables made from hewn slabs again such were the furnishings at the fort but they were offered with a kindness which was genuine and it was much better than camping out of doors fresh salmon bread butter tea potatoes melons and vegetables of all kinds were offered to the guests indian runners had told the fort they were coming so when they wanted to go farther boats were ready with the boatmen to take them down the river to fort vancouver it took two or three days to go down the river riding smoothly over the broad blue water in daytime and camping at night on the shore or on some island in midstream on the river bank when they reached fort vancouver stood dr mclaughlin to welcome them the same kindly genial white eagle chief whom many white men loved the good doctor turned some of the younger clerks out of their own rooms so that the missionaries might have them they sat at that long table in the great dining hall at the fort waited upon with men-servants with the dinners served in courses good dinners they were with game no roast beef yet because cows were too few and fish with cabbages peas onions beans radishes beets potatoes with puddings and with fruits from bruce's carefully tended garden apples and peaches and prunes 
dr mclaughlin took them out to see that orchard the only one west of the mississippi river he was proud of it he took them all over the farm with hundreds of acres of peas barley oats and wheat in the small ponds cattle waded or leisurely ate the grass in the fields while in the great dairies both at fort vancouver and on the island in the river multnomah island busy women made cheese and butter when dr and mrs whitman wandered about the beautiful big farm swans preened their feathers or sailed about in stately way while ducks quacked in the ponds bands of horses roamed about feeding on the grass it was just like coming home to the missionaries with all those chickens and geese and ducks with the horses and cows and apple trees yet this was still the unknown northwest coast of america and americans knew very very little about it dr mclaughlin did not wish the americans to go far from the fort a single murder by the indians would stir up the entire country in indian warfare it was far too dangerous he invited them to stay at the fort as long as they would at last it was decided that the two ladies would stay there for a time while their husbands and gray the carpenter should build log cabins for their mission work among the nez Percés indians near fort walla walla they called it wailapatu meaning the place of rye grass the ladies were busy while they waited at the fort dr mclaughlin had started a school for the boys around the fort to teach them how to read how to write and how to farm mrs whitman helped in the school and she taught these children how to sing the whitmans were not the very first missionaries in the oregon country jason lee and his nephew daniel lee had come two years before and had settled in the willamette valley but there were no women in that mission until later and they came out from new york around the horn by ship eleven years after the whitmans came in eighteen forty seven the indians began to be very angry because many settlers were coming into their country thousands of immigrants were crossing the plains every year now and they had marked out that great medicine road of the whites as the indians called the oregon trail the year before the treaty had been signed dividing oregon between great britain and america the indians knew this they liked the british fur traders who did not build log cabins did not farm did not cut down trees and fence in the springs did not drive away the wild game so that the red man starved it was the boston men the americans who did these things therefore the indians hated the americans now things became worse with the immigration of eighteen forty seven came much sickness the trains of tired people stopped at the whitman mission and some of the sick were left there sickness spread into the camps of the indians and because they did not know what to do many died in the darkness and silence of the night from lonely tepees along little streams could one hear the death cry and the long wail of indian women mourning for their dead still the sickness spread the indians said the boston men were to blame for the sickness they had brought it among the tepees so that the white man might have the lands of the red man so angry they became that after long plotting they killed mrs whitman and her husband and several other people who were living with them all the others were captured and made prisoners no one knew what to do the americans at the willamette were helpless if they sent an army of men the indians would kill all the prisoners or carry them into the upper country 
if they sent only a few since the indians were on the warpath they would not be strong enough to rescue the prisoners at wailapu no one could help except the hudson's bay company without even waiting to see what the americans would do peter skeen ogden a trader well known among the indians up the river and trusted by them started from fort vancouver for the mission he took with him many blankets and kettles and paint took things which the indians liked he travelled in such a way as to make the indians think he knew nothing about the massacre in one canoe with his voyageurs he started up the river stopping at the usual camping places making presents acting as though nothing had happened they knew of course they did not know that he did if ogden had hurried and the indians thought he was afraid he could have done nothing when ogden reached fort walla walla he called a council of the chiefs and demanded the freedom of the prisoners the chiefs refused it took days of time and many blankets before ogden could persuade the indians to give up their prisoners the moment they did he paid over the blankets and other presents bundled the unhappy people into canoes and started down the river as fast as they could go so the poor prisoners were saved but the indians said and the americans also admitted that no one could have saved these american prisoners except the hudson's bay company because of their power with the indians and that power was based upon their rule of justice and firmness after the prisoners were safe the americans sent a small army up the river that is they sent armed men for they had no trained soldiers thus began the yakima war it lasted only a year but many colonists were killed and the whole country upset by it in the end the indians had to ask for peace the five men who had murdered the whitmans were hanged and so ended the mission which had begun eleven years before when mrs whitman and her husband with the spaldings had crossed the plains and the mountains to the oregon country end of chapter fourteen